Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for everything casual up to competitive tabletop Battletech content. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, Dustin. Today, me and Dustin talk about the unsung heroes of the Inner Sphere, the tanks, VTOLs, general armored vehicles, and the poor, bloody infantry who spot for our LRMs, or as I'm calling it, the right to bear combined arms. All right, for our listener mail and shoutouts, Justin writes, Hey, as someone who has just gotten into the tabletop, I'm really digging the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, your love for the podcast fuels me as I edit the podcast deep into the wee hours of the night. Dustin, do we have any Battletech news for this week? Yeah, you can get the Force Packs on Catalyst's web store. You can get the Battle Lance, the Striker, and the Command Star, which are the, the Lance Packs that came with the first wave of the Battletech Kickstarter. Uh, probably coming to retail soon. I know I've been looking at Fortress Miniatures web store a lot lately. He's essentially purchased a bunch of those and broken them down. So if you want a specific mech, you can get those there. I did not know that. That's news to me. Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff. He's got some cases. and Yeah, I saw he got some Feldher stuff in, too. Yeah, I'll probably be taking a look at his stuff once the Wave 2 comes in, because I don't want all of the mechs that are coming, but I would like to get a little piecemeal. Yeah, got to get your Comstar mechs in there. You have level twos. So how do you want to how do you want to lead into the <laughs> Sure. So we'll get into the bulk of our segment this evening, playing Battletech with armor and combined arms. So you want me to uh, read this stuff since yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you've gotten bored with 100 ton killing machines powered by nuclear reactors and want some grounded military action. So Josh, why would you add armor? into a game of Battletech. I would add armor and infantry if I want something that's very cheap and easy for my opponent to kill, but also have a dedicated purpose rather than a more general utility that a mech has. What are some pros and cons? You expand on that a little bit. Pros to having vehicles in a game of Battletech is, like I said, they're cheaper C-bills-wise, they're cheaper BV-wise, and... I can essentially spam them. If I wanted to play a horde army in Battletech, I would be using cheap little vehicles like little hovercraft known as Savannah Masters, which just have one medium laser, and I can take a hundred of them in a normal game. The cons of this is I'm taking a hundred medium laser hovercraft that are going to die if you look at them, and that's not really an effective, you know, battle plan. Your opponent might also not like for you to bring 50 little annoying boogers to the table. It's always fun to try once, but in a normal game of Battletech, not so much. Uh, So yeah, talking about swarms, do you think armor is good for quick games? I wouldn't say that it's good for quick games if you're trying to take the most efficient, like if you're taking like a 500 BV piece of armor in place of a 1500 bv mech taking three of them so in a normal 5k game you might take 12 or 15 you know cheap armor it's not going to be good for a regular game it's going to be more movement more dice allocation for shooting yeah more models to pick up and move on the table 
Oh, yeah. Just a little bit longer than your typical Lance on Lance game. I don't know if... I I don't have any experience running armor in a competitive environment, but uh, do you think armor could be competitive? Armor can definitely be competitive. Any role that a mech can fill, a vehicle can fill, a specialized vehicle can fill. So we all hear me talk about the Black Knight. Well, I like it because it's got a lot of lasers that can essentially be short-range area denial and just put in out a bucket of dice well there are vehicles that do that way better for cheaper than a black knight so if i just need to sit on an objective and hold that ground i'm not going to pay the price for hand actuators hips sensors and all that when a 80 ton tank will do the same job and even if you hit it and you immobilize it it's still on the objective that's right you could just throw an ontos on there or something like that exactly so playing combined arms takes a little extra time for most of us who are getting into Battletech because you have to learn twice as many rules. Yeah, I definitely recommend talking to your opponent, especially if it's a casual setting, which most of us are playing casual games on game nights. Some people just want to play out of the Battletech manual, and that's okay. So yeah, start small, add one of something, like pick a tank that is a motive type or a hovercraft to add to your game. That way you're not spending too much time flipping through the rule book or you know, deciding how the rules are supposed to go for that night. Yeah, me and you definitely fell into one of these traps where we decided on what, like a 12k BV game, Comstar versus clans. And I took six mechs and I want to say 12 vehicles and then another six infantry. And I think we got through three or four turns in three hours. Yeah, even if uh, my child wasn't interrupting the game to the point that we couldn't play anymore. I don't know if we would have seen a conclusion to that game that night. We were a little ambitious. You will find rules for all these special foot sloggers, button pushers, laser designators, and engine revers in Total Warfare, and non-tournament rules in Tactical Operations and other more esoteric Battletech rule tomes. So there's a few key differences between vehicles and battle mechs besides the fact that some have legs and some don't. Structure-wise, vehicles and mechs aren't normally mixed, unless you're Capellan or you're Comstar. Game-wise, there's no reason not to do this, but in real-world terms, this is like combining your tank, your infantry, and your air support under one command. It just doesn't really work out logistically. One big thing is vehicle firing and receiving damage arcs are different from mech arcs. For vehicles, it's just that first hex in between that first and the next one, pointing front. It's just between those. So you're making like, I want to say a 30 degree angle out rather than the 180 degree angle out of a mech. Yeah, vehicles have very narrow front arcs for receiving fire. But unlike mechs, which will torso twist and twist their arms, a lot of vehicles actually have turrets. And those turrets mount weapons, which can just shoot in a 360 degree arc. Yeah, nobody's safe from your Shrek PVC carrier. One thing that I think is cool is that there's essentially an anti-tank specific weapon, and that's the Inferno Missile. Inferno Missiles can be devastating to vehicles. Uh, I think it's three Inferno or two Inferno Missiles, instead of doing damage via heat, just do criticals, automatic crits to vehicles. So is there like a point to trying to raise the heat on a vehicle? Vehicles don't have any heat. It's all calculated in the construction of the vehicle. You don't have to worry about tracking heat, which is convenient for some. 
So do vehicles have like a preferred environment? Like mechs are all-terrain vehicles, essentially. But what about a regular vehicle? Uh, Vehicles gain one movement point at either flanking or cruising speed if they spend their entire movement phase on pavement. All right, so let's dig a little deeper and break these up. So for all the treadheads out there, let's talk about some tanks. Tanks specifically, they can mount insane amounts of armor and weapons, but are often rendered unusable or mission killed if they get all those tracks blown off, even with still with armor. Dustin, why am I going to bring a tank to a game of Battletech? Tanks are great for holding narrow corridors. If they can keep their flanks covered via buildings or supporting units, they can really just lock a lane down. They can put a volume of fire down that lane, and tanks are not com- they are not constrained by the same construction rules that battle mechs are. So they can mount more than twice. They can mount an unlimited amount of armor, I think. Don't quote me on that. On their front arc. So some tanks just mount crazy amounts of armor. What's that old, uh, the Russian tanker crew? They say, uh, we are a tank. If the enemy destroys the tracks, we are artillery. If they destroy the main gun, we are a pillbox. If they destroy the machine guns, we are a bunker. If they destroy the armor, we are heroes. And that'll happen sometimes. But no, I mean, for tanks, you definitely want to... Your objective should always be to put them where you want, not continually be moving, because they're never going to stay moving like a battle mech. They're going to get motive critted, their tracks are going to get blown off, or they're going to be immobilized due to some other reason, and they're just going to have to sit there, and you pray to God that they sit where they are somewhat effective. Yeah, and if you're using force withdrawal in a game, this is going to make tanks even less effective, unfortunately. Because the crew will bail once the tank is immobilized. So some examples of tanks in Battletech are like the Demolisher, which we all know is the AC-20s, the Von Luckner, which is also an AC-20, but also has the assortment of SRMs, LRMs, and machine guns. The beloved or hated LRM and SRM carriers combo the shrek ppc carrier and getting a little bit more advanced the alicorn triple goss tank so moving on from treads we have wheeled vehicles uh in my opinion wheeled vehicles are the worst of all worlds they have too many movement restrictions in my opinion they are too vulnerable to mobility crits in my opinion Perhaps they do a little better over open roads and open fields. I kind of hate wheeled vehicles. Change my mind, Josh. I mean, I can't really change your mind against a wheeled vehicle, but they're at least going to have the normal ability to get further than that tracked vehicle is before they're immobilized. Like that's They're going to take less armor and less weapons to get that little bit more speed. Yeah, they are a little faster, I guess. There's not many of them that I would like purposely take over a tread tank but they do still have their uses if you're trying to do more of a skirmishing with actual armor they can be fluffy too how can they be fluffy i don't know i don't actually have a defense to my argument bring bring willed vehicles for fluff reasons (laughs) fluff reasons that i don't know or understand (laughs) you're mainly going to see wheeled vehicles like if they're used for like a pirate game like these are going to be your strikers your apcs little trucks with a 
guy with a gun on the back of it. Like these, these are much more militia rather than organized army. Yeah. So next we got to talk about hovercrafts. Hovercraft are silly fast and can cruise over water, but suffer from mobility crits and light armor. Josh, have you ever put hovercraft on the table? I actually have. So I'm a big fan of like the Gabriel's, which is it's the weird Comstar alternate of the Savannah Master. It's a one medium laser hovercraft, but it has a turret, so it's actually good. Nice. I like those. I like Pegasus. I like Harassers. I even like the Conga, which is the weird hovercraft with actual jump jets on the side. So it's the most versatile, yes, also crappy hovercraft because I'm 90% sure it takes a PSR every time it awesome. lands back on the ground. I, I only know about 50% of the names of hovercraft you've talked about. So excellent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just one of the things that hovercraft are more rare, but also very lightly armored and normally lightly gunned. So there's not a whole lot that you can do to kind of keep those on the table. Like you're never going to make up all hovercraft force and expect it to survive with more than, or survive with less than 80% attrition. Like they just do not take the shots. So when I'm using hovercraft, I'm always trying to think, all right, I either have to wait for the perfect opportunity to shoot or I have to wait until they're not expecting the hovercraft to get behind them and then shoot, which is really the same thing. But if they're constantly expecting the hovercraft, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, I think hovercraft take either a plus three or a plus four on the motive crits when you roll that motive crit and they're just rendered you know, immobile, which is their their biggest asset is their mobility, and it's the thing they lose the quickest. Uh, anecdotally, I can say I like Pegasus with the two SRMs. Yeah, that one's that one's fun, especially because the two SRMs are in the turret, so I can fly by you without having to really worry about turning. Like, I actually have decent rear armor for most of those, so it's fly on by, turret turns back, fires, and next turn I'm either repositioning for another strafing run or I'm going up against the guy on your whole other side of your flank. So next we're going to move on to VTOLs, vertical takeoff and landing armor. Uh, They're nimble hunters that go down quickly and are often relegated to sniping because of their fragility. Those rotors, they get taken out quickly. Other uses for VTOLs is, you know, recon and transports. Uh, What would you say is the best way to play VTOLs? So they really are your light air support. They can't stand a inner sphere 3025 brawl without just going down immediately. Like if you look at them, they die. There's not a lot you can do to prevent that from happening. So you really have to play on your movement. You have to play on your range. And all the lessons that you'll learn from playing a hovercraft, you're going to have to apply those twice as hard to a VTOL. I haven't put a lot of VTOLs on the table, but I hear that LRMs and Gauss rifles and AC2s, other long-range guns, are great on them. You want to keep them out of harm's way, beyond the touch of the enemy, and just harass with them. Or or you want to use them as bait. Try to get your opponent to move out of position, make a bad play to try to get that harasser. Oh, definitely. I mean, no one wants to shift 80 tons of battle mech to kill 30 tons of one large laser. That's flying around with a plus four to hit. Like that's just not worth it game wise. But 
if you can make them do that, if you can make them turn their entire battle mech around to try to shoot the one VTOL, then that VTOL essentially paid for itself for a turn. Like, think of it as trading BV to make someone think somewhere else. Absolutely. But yeah, if you can put a long-range weapon on a VTOL, that's even better. Like, then you can actually start using them off- offensively. So the last piece of modern, you know, realistic armor that some people like to see in their combined arms game uh, is artillery. But artillery kind of has its own special set of rules and its own... And I feel like artillery plays a little differently in Battletech than it does in other tabletop war games. Artillery can be fun for narrative games. Ranges are measured in literal map sheets, and a lot of us don't bring 17 map sheets to the local game store. So they can be fun for narrative play. There are abstraction rules that you can find in the rule books. Instead of putting that long tom on the table, you can just pay BV for a long tom strike. So they can be fun for narrative, but they're not necessarily reliable enough for regular play. An artillery vehicle will hit on the same map sheet, so that's 17 hexes away in the same turn. If you go longer range than that, you're going to have to wait a turn. You write the hex that you're aiming for down in secret. You reveal it. There's a whole bunch of rules. They kind of slow down the game competitively. I don't even know if a tournament organizer would let you bring artillery to a tournament. What do you think, Josh? I'm going to have to agree that they slow down the game. Like They are much better for the narrative. Or I kind of wish there was the abstract, like, hey, everyone gets their single long tom artillery blast that they can put down at certain bv values but they're also just too random to actually put money down on being useful i've heard it talked about that to make artillery effective you have to use multiple artillery and then you're really just taking an artillery support lance essentially and at that point you're not really just playing with your opponent you're just kind of like nuking him from orbit yeah i i've brought artillery you know, on mech platforms, I don't know if I brought artillery in on a vehicle platform, which is what we're talking about today. Uh, but I, I honestly feel like they just kind of don't fit too easily into the standard battle tech game. I think that's because they're not interacting with the battle mechs that are on the table. They're interacting with the terrain that's on the table. Like they're not aiming for, they're aiming for the battle mech, but the chance of them, it's not just hit or miss. It's, miss but how much do i miss so then you have to take that all into account yeah you roll on some tables see how far your shot misses i wouldn't bring them for a competitive game or a pickup game i'd be like hey for the final mission of our two month long campaign you're assaulting a fortress under artillery and you have to hey guess what take the assault mechs to get through that that's right all right now for the piece de la resistance the boots on the ground. So those unsung heroes who fight and die underneath our mech's feet, also known as the frontline infantry. So you've got your few different types of basic infantry. You've got your foot infantry, which come in squad size and platoon size. You've got your jump infantry, which are essentially a jump jet strapped to a guy. You've got mechanized, which can either be hover or wheeled. Think dudes on ATVs and Jeeps, retrofitted pickup trucks. But unfortunately... No matter how many ways that you can wrap infantry in a vehicle to get them across the table faster, they're still really squishy and they still take a lot of damage and even more damage if they're in open terrain. 
So what kind of weapons can the infantry bring to the field? So your standard infantry can take either the laser gun or the machine gun, and the machine gun does more damage at closer range versus the lasers less damage at longer range. If you get a little bit more advanced, you can take infantry with field guns, like autocannons. You can take infantry with dedicated weapons like LRMs or SRMs or even flamers if you need them to do a specific job. But no matter what, they're still infantry, so you're going to put them into forest and buildings and they're going to hide. Yeah, outside of narrative reasons, I feel like they do a few things very well. You know, they can dig into cities and forests like Josh was talking about. They really want to be in cover. They desperately need to be in in the cover. Their advantage is that you've got mech scale weapons do less damage to infantry in buildings and when they're in forests. You want to make sure you keep them there. The big thing always to remember is infantry are slow over the course of a game. You're not going to get that far. They're not going to get far and be effective. So don't think of infantry as being alone. You're going to either need to buy them something to get them to the middle of the field, or you're going to have to take infantry that come with a transport. One important thing to remember about your ground pounders is that they can spot for LRMs and move in the same turn without taking a penalty. They make great spotters. Digging a squad or platoon of infantry into a building or heavy woods and just using them to spot for your LRMs, That's, that, that can be competitive. Your standard platoon of infantry can also hold their own against lighter mechs. So, you know, your stingers and wasps actually have to be careful around infantry. Like, they can still do damage. Like, yeah, a regular infantry platoon. They can still pump out some damage. Uh, they can also do leg attacks. So if the infantry find themselves, you know, close to mechs, Sometimes they can deal critical damage to the leg locations on a mech. You roll for a chance to crit if I, or you roll for a chance to crit if I remember correctly. So special mentions for armor and combined arms is naval asset. Naval assets they exist. I've literally never put them on the table. Good luck. Aerospace sounds interesting. Also, never put it on the table. Uh, wing and ground effect vehicles, for some reason, exist in Battletech rules. Uh, they're like a plane, but they fly close to the ground. Good luck with those. We don't know anything about them. Now we're going to get to why we're really here, is what are our reservations with using vehicles and imagery, and why don't we do it more often? Yeah, so Battlemechs are the stars of the Battletech universe, and I really feel like it shows in the rule book. There are certain things that vehicles and infantry definitely do better than mechs, uh, so you should try them out sometime. They're fluffy, they make sense, you know. Yeah, the majority of a house unit is going to consist of armor and infantry, so they're really fluffy to bring to the table. And they're fun. I like to play with them, but I haven't played with them a lot. Yeah, I personally don't like them just from a great i have more models and the reason why i like battletech is because it's like four or five or six models and now you're getting into okay we're above six and i have five fingers it's hard to count past five. i'm really pushing that intersphere players can count to four clan can count to five and comstar can count to six and that's why comstar beat the clans yeah it really is uh we've 
we have limited experience with, you know, combined arms. We have put them on the table. They can be fun, but we feel like the fun is also limited with them. So try them out, see how they go. I mean, everyone loves having a dedicated, hey, this is my LRM carrier, and I'm going to put 60 LRMs downrange. But at that point, I'd just rather take an archer. Or a longbow. Yeah, and shoot 20, 40, 60 plus LRMs, but also be able to walk and do the rest of the game. Yeah, and there is a reason, fluff-wise, why battle mechs are the king of the battlefield, and that is mobility. Armor, treads, wheels, hover, you'll find that reflected in the rules. They're really limited on where they can go on the battlefield, which strategically limits them. And they're easy to flank, which is devastating sometimes. So, Dustin, if you were to add combined arms into, like, a more organized pickup game or tournament setting, how would you do that? I would limit the number of vehicles you can bring of a specific type. Uh, Vehicles get real cheesy real fast. Uh, And I would limit the number, the the unit composition. I would probably go with, like, a 50-50 split. You know, you have to bring as many battle mechs as you do vehicles to keep the initiative sinking cheese to a minimum as well. I would agree on that. I would say at most you can take four mechs and two vehicles. Like I would still have the same BV limit. So if someone doesn't want to take vehicles, they don't have to. They can just take, hey, I'm going to upgrade my light mech to a medium mech for that same BV. But I would definitely keep the a number of vehicles on the table low to like one or two which is normally going to be something that's dedicated like an SRM carrier, an LRM carrier, a sniper, like an Alarcorn. So something that's not going to slow the game down completely. I know from just being on the internet, I don't interact a ton with Alpha Strike, but I know a person has run Alpha Strike tournaments. And even in Alpha Strike, they limited the number of vehicles that you could bring to the table. Another thing that I don't know if we've touched on so far is that bringing combined arms to the table will make certain variants of mechs make sense. The flamer seems like a weird weapon on a battle mech until you roast half of a platoon of infantry and laugh maniacally while you do it. I mean, we kind of touched on vehicles are much better for narrative games, but I definitely think that one or two would be good. Like, I would love to take the Demolisher or an Antos. And just play a game of, hey, I have to protect an objective. So I'm going to bring a, rather than pay the BV for a mech to do that, I'm going to pay the BV for a vehicle to do that. Inventory are good for spotting. So if I want to take a dedicated LRM mech, I might actually say, well, rather than take a mech that's going to get up and get shot and constantly need to be moving, I'll just take inventory. And the chance of my enemy being able to wipe out inventory all in one turn, pretty low. So there are definitely tactics that can be used around combined arms, but it really does slow the game down. Like, I don't want to say to a halt, but if you're not constantly practicing with it and your opponent doesn't know what to do, like, that, that's, that's probably the biggest thing is you may know everything you need to do for the vehicles, but if your opponent doesn't know, that's still going to slow them down of, okay, I roll to hit what's the to hit chart like i don't know the numbers and all that like yeah all the charts are are different you have chances to crit and you have 
two kinds of crits. You have motive crits, and then you have regular crits on vehicles. And you, if you don't have those all memorized in your back pocket, yeah, it's just extra rules. I'm sure there are people out there, you know, in their meta who bring nothing but combined arms. But that's not us, so we can't talk about that with confidence. Yeah, I mean, for most vehicles, you're going to be taking a motive crit at least one, possibly two or three, every time you get shot, just because of the way the damage tables are set up. So that's not something that you can really do fast. So Josh, you've got a combined arms list for us tonight. Yeah, so I think this list really exemplifies all the tactics that we are trying to talk about for tanks and vehicles. What did you bring tonight? I brought uh, Von Luckner which is really just an AC-20 with some SRMs. I brought a Shrek PPC, which is three PPCs, an Antos, which is eight medium lasers and two LRM-5s, two Pegasus hovercraft, which are two SRM-6s and a turret and a medium laser in the front, and then a Serrano VTOL, just one large laser. So how would you field this? This is not a Lance. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. It's a level two, right? Yeah, so this is essentially a Comstar-esque lance. This is before all of the Helm memory core. So this is all using regular intro tech levels. So you're you're going to bring this level two. It's called that, right? Yeah. So you're going to bring this level two to the table. How do you think about deployment? How do you think about the engagement tactically with this list? I broke this up into essentially two sections. I've got my hard hitters, which are the three tanks, and then I've got my harassers and flankers, which are the two hovercraft and the VTOL. I don't have a lot of LRMs with this, so I don't have to worry about spotting and using the VTOLs and the hovercraft to get those good angles for LRMs. Like, I do have LRMs, I just don't have a dedicated LRM platform. I have the Von Luckner, which is wants to hold the midfield and give that area denial with that AC-20. I've got the Shrek PPC, which is going to sit behind it and dare anyone to come even closer than that. And then I've got the Antos to really just hold down a side and say, are you feeling lucky? Because I have eight medium lasers and I don't need to hit you with all of them. I just need to hit you with some of them. Just a, just a couple five point punches. Yeah, because uh, what's eight times five? Oh, that's right. That's 40. So if I hit you with half them, then that's a PSR. And PSR is the goal of Battletech, right? Especially so when using combined arms, because every time that they fall down is another turn. You get to shoot them and keep them away from you. Because once they get in close range, it's not so much them getting their short range weapons in. It's more so the flanking. So if they get to your side, and that's going to really take motive crits, damage crits, your vehicle's lifespan is going to be measured in turns rather than hours. So your Pegasus and the Serrano? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your Pegasus hover tanks and your Serrano, uh, what are you going to be doing with those, the other half? So those are essentially going to be waiting in the sidelines until the Von Luckner's AC-20 connects, and they're going to try to throw salt in the wound, essentially. I've got the 20-point damage from the Von Luckner. I've got th- three 10-point damages from the Shreks. Everything else in this list is really trying to exploit the holes that those two tanks make. The Serrano is there to harass the backfield, and if they have a light mech, it's supposed to just focus down on that. 
but the Pegasus are there to chase any light mechs that are trying to get to my flanks, but also, like I said, roll for those criticals. Yeah, so what do you think about the list? Yeah, so I think the list is pretty all right. I'm looking here, I see the classic short-range, long-range, hard decision for your opponent. You've got the Von Luckner and the Antos daring you to close the gap with the Shrek. Uh, I like the Pegasus and the Serranos for, or the Pegasuses and the Serrano for harassing the lighter assets of the enemy. If I were to armchair general this list, the only thing I could see is kind of a lack of, you know, the Pegasus hover tanks and the Serranos might possibly have a hard time holding up the flanks of the Von Lechner, the Shrek, and the Antos. Now, there are three of those tanks, so they could cover their own flanks a little bit, but I would worry perhaps that they could still be easily flanked or, you know, more easily flanked. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, you know, play against this list and see how it fares on the table. Like I said, I mean, I actually threw this lance against our Merrick lance from last week just to get a feel for how a all mech versus all vehicle list would do. And I'll admit I was only able to kill the grasshopper and the blackjack and get the centurion down to about 60% armor. Did you find that you su- your vehicles were suffering from, you know, the classic ailments of via- you know, motive crits and weak flanks? I would say that they suffered more from terrain. I actually put this on one of the game of our combat maps sheets. And anytime that my opponent, even princess could put a, forest or a hill in between me and the vehicle there was no way like none of my vehicles had the mobility to get around that so the first couple turns was just spent trying to get firing arcs on the mechs it didn't really get lucky until the they started breaking cover and acting like dumb ai yeah i think that's one rule difference that we didn't touch on earlier in the podcast is that vehicles are only one hex high whereas mechs are two hex high, two hexes high. It's hard to gain a terrain advantage with vehicles, which plays into the mer- narrative idea, or the narrative reason that battle mechs are king of the field, and it's their ability to navigate terrain, which is interesting that you saw that in the tabletop. Like, this map really broke it down to, like, three distinct firing corridors, but the way the woods and everything was set up is that I could not get one of my vehicles through one of the lanes so i essentially had to dedicate everything to two lanes the enemy didn't go through that lane that i didn't go to but they pushed hard on the two that i did due to an unlucky roll early the von luckner got essentially immobilized on a hilltop which is where you would expect it to but due to the trees all next to it it only had one firing arc it couldn't really put the turret weapon to full use yeah and that's another thing i've experienced with armor on the tabletop is that they're kind of swingy. They're less reliable than I like my assets to be. They're easily critted into oblivion, and sometimes they really put the work in, and sometimes they blow up much faster than you would expect a mech to. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I mean, the Antos got a fuel cell hit, which just caused a straight-up explosion next to it, so my 8-medium laser platform went up in flames after getting turret locked and then exploding. Yeah, and anecdotally, I've played a tabletop game in person against an opponent 
they put a tank into a corridor in a system, in a city to hold that lane, that firing lane, which is what tanks do well. And I still got that crit, still got that ammo cook off and the tank went down very easily. This can happen to mechs, but it just happens less frequently. I mean, if you take a mech with no ammo, it can't really explode at most. It can get, you know, three engine hits or gyro and engine and then it's fallen down. And it's force withdrawal. But a vehicle actually has a much higher chance of just exploding and dying. Yeah. And once again, if you're playing with force withdrawal, I think you'll find that it's even worse. The guys inside of the tank don't want to die in the tank. When it's immobilized, they boogie. They get out. My Shrek PBC carrier actually did okay. It did what I would say is equivalent damage for what it was going up against. But once the... Antos and the Von Luckner were out of the field. It was easy prey for the Victor to just walk up AC 20, did some medium lasers, and it, it was pretty lucky to get through one of the sides of armor faster than the others, but there wasn't anything left. And once that was out, I was down to one Pegasus that had essentially failed its skid check and <laughs> ran into a tree, which destroyed the skirt and then immobilized it. And But I still had the turret, but unfortunately, it was on level zero with one level one in between that and all the action. Uh, What about your Serrano? How did you like your VTOL? So I actually liked the Serrano most of all because it was the last thing to die. No kidding. (laughs) I don't know if that's just an AI thing with fighting on Mega Mech, but I was able to constantly stay moving, staying even just in my cruising speed rather than flanking speed, and just turn on the last one to get that forward arc large laser in. It got a good couple hits in before it went down. Yeah, we did talk about how, you know, squishy VTOLs are, but I think there have been one of the few rules changes is that rotors take damage divided by 10. So typically you're doing one pip of damage to a rotor. VTOLs are a little more survivable than you want them to be sometime if they're on the other side of the field, but it sounds like the Serrano put in its work for you. Yeah. I mean, overall, I was happy with this list. I was pleased with that. I was able to mission kill two mechs and put the third one into, all right, if I fight anything above a light mech, I might get worried. Yeah, and I feel like this ties into the fluff, the narrative again. Like your list, the Von Luckner, the Antos, the Shrek, all these things were probably almost certainly cheaper, Seville-wise, than the enemy mechs. Sometimes we play narrative games with where we're talking about sea bills, and sometimes we're just playing by the battle value. We're playing our pickup game. So, yeah, I mean, I probably brought more weapons and more ability to do damage than the mechs. It's just I did not have the survivability and maneuverability that they had, and that really affected my game. Yep, I feel like that really wraps up the overarching theme of infantry and vehicles. Less survivability, less mobility, and they're cheaper. I mean, we do have to give some positives to vehicles, which is if you need a dedicated platform with three or four or more of something, things like the Alarcorn, if you need Gauss rifles, the Shrek, if you need PPCs. The SRM carrier, if you need SRMs. The LRM carrier, if you need LRMs, aptly named vehicles. So if you need to spam something to effectively engage your opponent, vehicles actually are where it's at. It's the it's the vehicle episode. You want to leave it on a, you know, a this is where it's at note, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it can be understated how much we don't play with combined arms and infantry just because they do slow the game down. Like we, when we do play with infantry and combined arms, it's for a narrative reason. So we're not as interested in who's winning, who's losing, who's being effective as much as it's more logical that this army would have two tanks and a bunch of infantry and maybe one or two mechs then. All right, this is not an effective lance and this is not going to work. Yeah, when it comes to, you know, your more competitive casual games or even the tournament, we just literally haven't even done that yet. We would love to find a way to introduce that, but the way they are right now and the speed of the game and just the state of the rules for mech combat versus vehicle combat just don't really mix well, actually. We will say if you have experience playing with vehicles and you have tips and tricks that you like to use to either speed the game up when you introduce a lot of them or tactics that you use with mech and vehicle combat, feel free to send them to us. We would love to read those. Yeah, if there's something we didn't mention when it comes to combined arms, drop us a line, send us a message, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. So if you have any questions or comments, email us at themechbaypodcast at gmail.com or drop us a line on Facebook or any other social media that you can find us on.